Welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. This is at C. Pauline. We are still down a lady, but I am joined by the lovely Akira. Hi, Akira. Hi, Cecilene. Hi, everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have chosen to listen to our podcast once again, so we have to say thank you for that. Um, it's been an exciting week. Um, the Emmy nominations came out, and um, it was wonderful to see B.D. Wong get um, acknowledged with the Emmy nomination, and um, Mr. Robot got a couple of, of two more, I believe, Emmy nominations for some I think sound mixing or sound editing and one other one. Do you remember what the other one was for, Kira? Yeah, they got uh, sound mixing. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So, yeah, it was sound mixing that they got. They also got um, uh, the virtual reality experience also got a uh, nomination as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, and um, Don, no, not Doc. Um, Todd Campbell got a uh, got a nomination as well. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I know that everyone wants to talk. Well, wants to talk about how Rami got left out, uh, <laughs> considering that he won last year. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, but you know, we still walked away with some nominations, which is good. So it wasn't a complete shutout. Um, it was not. It was not. Yeah, so, I mean, I remember, um, yeah, some people were hitting me up about, how did Robbie get nominated? And I'm thinking, guys, you still got to see the below-the-line nominations and whatnot, so there's still a chance that we got something. Uh, so, you know, so the, yeah, that, that ended up turning out to be the case. So, yeah, I'm just excited about the Emmy noms. And, yeah, of course, fingers crossed for everybody that they win. I would love to see everybody get up on that stage and accept an award on the uh, – on the show, on the unite of the uh, show. Yeah, I'm not usually an awards show watcher. Um, I usually read the tweets or something, but a lot of times award shows are on Sunday nights, and that is mm-hmm. my PB. That is my PBS night, like every Sunday night from basically <laughs> six o'clock until eleven. I am glued to PBS, so uh-huh. usually that wins out for me over. The award show, so I'm just being a, a big old nerd with that. So, okay. but um, <laughs> I can't give it up. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about this week's episode. It, it was um, one of my favorites of the season so far, um, and we are on episode five, and the title of episode five is Logic Bomb. So we ended episode four with Elliot basically announcing that he's going to hack the FBI. Um, Mm -hmm. And we start episode five with Elliot working on hacking the FBI. (laughs) Um, So I love the way the episode started. It's all dark. We see um, Elliot. He's, you know, talking to us. He's telling us exactly what he's doing. He's talking about, you know, every system having its weakness. He's talking to us about his first hack of his um, local library and how powerful he felt doing that. And he made um, this comment about having God access. And um, Mm -hmm. that just really, you know, stuck out to me that he, you know, used that phrase, God access. So that's like the ultimate level of control. Um, and we've talked ad nauseum how um, this whole season has been about control and how Elliot is trying to take control. Um, so it's really interesting to see him in the middle of of this hacking at the beginning of the episode. What were what were your thoughts on Elliot getting back on the keyboard? Uh, seeing Elliot get back on get back at the terminal, um, it was. 
it was really satisfying to see him get on there, because, especially after so many episodes where he, you know, is trying to go cold turkey and not, you know, resist that resist that side of him. But at the end of the day, it's just, Elliot, you have to realize that this is a huge part of who you are. Um, so it's like as much as you can deny it, you eventually can only say no to it for so long. So, I mean, and it's all, it's where, it's where he's at his, you know, he's in his element, he's in his zone. It's with, you know, Elliot being, um, yeah, the most, probably like, I guess I want to say most content with himself or just, you know, that's where he feels, like you said, the most at power. Um, and being able to have access to whatever it is that he's trying to get into, whatever it is that he's trying to own. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really cool to, again, have Elliot, not just not just to watch him do the hack, but for him to actually let us in and talk us through it um, mm-hmm. and just – and just going through this, not just the steps, but the com- you know, the outcome of what every of what every single step will do. Um, so basically, with this hack, his goal is to not just to hack the FBI, but because he was saying, not only will I have access to every Android phone that um, every FBI uh, personnel carries, I'll also have access to Evil Corp. And yeah, so he's pretty much going for. A, a crap ton of information so but I mean it wouldn't be Elliot you know I wouldn't expect Elliot to do anything less um so yep uh, it's just Elliot being badass again at the, at the terminal uh you know when you we talked about you just talked about um him talking about all the access and all the the information he'll have access to but I also have to think about you know the impetus to him making this decision was really this need to help his sister and mm-hmm. protect not only himself and the rest of F society, but really to protect his sister. And, um, you know, remembering that just makes Elliot even more endearing to me because he has this genuine need to kind of fight for the underdog and fight for the vulnerable. And we see that um, time and again with him and we see that um, in this episode when Angela comes to see him, um, we see this, especially with Ray. Um, so I know that happens a little bit later in the in the episode, but let, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with Ray because as Elliot is hacking at the beginning, um, we have to remember, and once again, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched season two, you should not be listening to this podcast. We have to remember that Elliot is in prison, and there is a guard sitting next to him while he is, to me, blatantly hacking the FBI um, while he's in custody. But he's also supposed to be helping Ray migrate his site, and um, he lets the um prison guard is his name rt or is that the sis Edmonds name and uh, that's the sis Edmonds. that's the sis Edmonds name but that's lone star right yeah. mm-hmm. lone star is in the room with him so he lets lone star know that he needs to talk to the previous sis Edmonds. and through seeing this guy who's been beaten up we saw that um ray had his goons beat him up in an earlier episode this is piquing elliot's interest to you know, finally come to seeing Ray as not just this benevolent, nice guy. Um, mm-hmm. And we also see Mr. Robot kind of in the background morphing from being this bully to Elliot to almost being, I wouldn't say his conscious, but his intuition saying, you need to stop this. You need to just do what you say you're going to do and not, get involved. Um, But of course, Elliot doesn't listen. Um, What do you think about Elliot's need to save people? Um, From what I've observed of it so far, it seems to kind of be a bit of an Achilles heel for him. But Mm -hmm. at the same, but at the same time, I do think that it is, think that it is very endearing. And one of the things that we do come to love about Elliot is that um, that he is willing to help others, and in this case, um, name you know people who are completely nameless to him, 
um, even if, in this case with Ray, it could mean him his, it could cost him his life, um, which is also something that we saw with Mr. Robot, you know, being that voice of reason for him that, you know, Ray isn't this, you know, we're fast forwarding a little bit, when he says that Ray isn't some coffee shop owner, um, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, sometimes I'm, I mean, as an audience member with that, with this particular episode and getting to that moment too, on one hand, you're just, you're, you're, you're kind of, com- you're, you're that voice of reason as well, mm-hmm. as far as Mr. Robot, but you're also with Elliot too, like, you know, because all, you're like, you, you can't just really ignore this, you know, there's, this is some serious stuff that Ray is doing. Oh my so, God. Um, so yeah, serious. like every horrible thing like I mean it starts off pretty innocently if you can call selling drugs online innocent but it quickly spirals into we see human trafficking we see um weapons we Mm -hmm. saw you know taking hits out on people like wow yeah (laughs) yeah I mean some deep stuff so I mean, so yeah, I mean, I can understand why Elliot could not just let this slide. I mean, any decent human being would not, you know, would do would would pretty much do the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's that whole conflicting information also because he, you know, he told him not to look. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's funny how you're just, you when you just sit back and observe people, when you tell them not to do certain things, most often they not immediately do it, it anyway. They immediately you know? do it. <laughs> yeah, so, so when he's like, you know, oh, my business is important to me, don't look at it. It's just, now you know he's going to look. I was like, it's like, Ray, did you, are, are you, have you forgotten who you're talking to? You know, of course Elliot is going to look. Um, but, yeah, but, um, but, yeah, I do think that that um, need to help people, I think, is, an, is also an Achilles heel to him. And, I mean, I, but I don't think that we've seen the extent yet of how much of, of, a, of an Achilles heel it is to him. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm saying this now, knowing that season three's theme is disintegration. So I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, again, again, just, you know, letting the mind wander to what could possibly, possibly happen in season three. But, um, but yeah, that's my take on Elliot and his need to, uh, kind of be the savior for people. Yeah, I definitely agree with you that it's going to be his Achilles heel because even with wanting to, you know, he said I could destroy him in a few keystrokes, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's thinking about the repercussions to himself because, one, Ray's going to know you did it. Right. Two, you're in prison. <laughs> you can't. You can't run and hide. You're base, You're literally his prisoner. So if you do decide to do this at this moment or, you know, act on this, you're just leaving yourself vulnerable to attack, basically. Um, you know, so I, you have to think that sometimes he's not using the best judgment. I know we saw a lot on in season one that he was very methodical, when he did take someone down, um, he would, you know, destroy the hard drive. We saw him go through this whole process of destroying all the evidence that he was involved. But um, I'm not going to say he got sloppy by looking at the website, but once again, Lone Star was sitting right there, and he's Mm -hmm. on Ray's computer. So just some, some interesting things with with judgment. Um, I also wanted to talk about Mr. Robot and, and see what you thought about this. I felt like in this episode we see a different Mr. Robot and a different Elliot. Elliot felt more aggressive to me in this episode, just being more decisive, um, especially in the scene where Angela... I'm trying to think if it's when Darlene is visiting or Angela is visiting. Um, But Elliot is, I think it's when Darlene is visiting. And Elliot is talking to Darlene and Mr. Robot is trying to tell Elliot 
no, don't do this. This is a bad decision. And when we see Mr. Robot, he's almost blacked out. You don't see his face. It's almost just like a shadow. And it just feels like what Mr. Robot is doing in this episode is different than what we've seen all season so far as Elliot is just becoming, um, I wouldn't say more into himself, but it's almost like he's taking over some of the characteristics that Mr. Robot has had in the past of, you know, seeking the revenge, getting back on the terminal, making decisions, um, just really having a purpose again. So I don't know. Maybe it was just me. What were your thoughts on Mr. Robot this episode? Well, with Mr. Robot in this episode, it was definitely interesting to see um, to see the two of them, to see Elliot and Mr. Robot almost kind of agreeing to disagree that they, you know, don't that they need each other. Um, you know, I'm coming off of the chess game where they just have a bunch of stalemates. So um, I think mm-hmm. Elliot. Yeah, so I think Elliot is just, um, deal, you know, just accepting that Mr. Robot is there. But I also think that at the same time, he's thinking, for me, he's always thinking of another way. So I think that in this mm-hmm. sense, he might say, okay, I just have to deal with you for now, but I will find a way to eventually get rid of you. Um, and I think that on some level, Mr. Robot knows that because, I mean, Mr. Robot is a creation of Elliot, so on some level he does have to know that. So I think that uh, Mr. Robot is, in a sense, manipulative, being a little bit manipulated, and especially considering that uh, Mr. Robot is taking the form of uh, Elliot's dead father. So mm-hmm. he, so you see him almost in this um, father, fatherly um, way towards him, you know, being very protective of him and saying, you know, trying to get him to do certain things or not do certain things. So, um, so in a way, I think that not only is he looking out for Elliot, but it's also in a way looking out for himself as well, because he knows yeah. that deep down, deep down, Elliot's end goal is to eventually get rid of Mr. Robot. So that's that's how I interpreted Mr. Robot in this particular episode. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about um, Angela. So we see Darlene at the beginning of the episode, she's broken into Angela's um, apartment and mm-hmm. is basically, I think, making a copy of her computer or she's accessed her computer. And yep. she basically, um, you know, kind of tells Angela, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say something and you're going to panic, but don't panic because just remember, this is simple. You can do this. And basically tells her... <laughs> she wants her to help them hack the FBI by just dropping something off on the floor um, that the FBI is working on within um, Evil Corps building. And we get to see Angela go on this journey towards making the decision, am I going to do this or am I just going to say no? Um, I like that we got to have a little catch up with Ollie, who is still the worst boyfriend in the world. Um, so that whole that whole scene in the cafe with him, he's such a dog. He goes from "I miss you." Do you remember? Right over there is where I said I love you for the first time, and then here's my resume. It's like. <laughs> can, you be, can you be more of an asshole than he was? <laughs> yeah, I, I would just say that's just Ollie being Ollie. Um, <laughs> maybe it's the uh, name. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, um, it was interesting to see Ollie come back into the picture um, for that particular scene. And, um yeah, like you said, just trying to play, you know, dig into the bag of tricks, like oh, to lure her back in with the, you know, the trips down memory lane and whatnot. But at the same time, even as soon as as soon as Angela gets there, she's still pretty like, you know, she's still pretty guarded to uh, even 
that whole situation, that whole scenario of meeting with him and whatever he's talking about. You notice with her answers, she's always like, you know, he says uh, something like, I love you or something, and she's like, thanks. You know, like, she's yeah. just, you know, she's just completely, like, not there, kind of, like, she's trying to feel him out, too, and it's like, okay, what, uh, you know, what is this whole meaning all about? Um, and then eventually she wises up, you know, she figures out that, yeah, this is a setup, because Ollie, 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 why, when you talk about the CD specifically, would you move your phone closer to her? <laughs> <laughs> Subtlety is not his forte. Okay. No, I'm not. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, it, for me, it almost kind of reminded me back of that one scene in season one when um, Elliot was talking about. Um, Ollie's password, like he was so easy to hack. Password was one two three four five six seven. So yeah, Ollie. Um, but I think that in terms of Angela having to make that decision, it was it was a it was a combination of that scene, a combination of um, her meeting with Darlene and Darlene reminding her that. Oh, remember when you put the CD in all in the drive at all safe, and you mm-hmm. technically ended up setting up, you know, becoming a part of this. So whether you like, so whether you want to admit it, you're a part. You're still a part of this. Um, and then also her her uh, her meeting with Elliot. That finally, I think, um, yeah, that was the final the final thing that she needed in order to come to her decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. It has been crazy good watching Angela this whole season um, walk this line in terms of not knowing which in terms of not knowing which direction she might go. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes throughout the season you can predict what she will do um, to an extent. Um, but yeah, just watching her thought process and making these in terms of trying to get at these decisions because I also think that on one hand. She there's a similarity between her and Elliot there in terms of um, her deciding to go through with whether you know her deciding to you know plant the fence cell um, because mm-hmm. at the same you know because Darlene lays into her that you know Elliot saved your saved your ass so are exactly you, are you you know are you really gonna let him I mean you're gonna take the fall too but it's like come on you have a chance to pay Elliot back for what he did for what he did for you. So what's it going to be? Um, so, yeah, so I think that um, that, gen- that that genuine care for um, for each other, I think. Yeah, and yeah. speaking of yeah. that, I really, I really liked the scene when she went to go visit him. Um, and, you know, she talked about, you know, can we be can we still be friends? And, mm-hmm. you know, Elliot telling her, my father is standing behind you right now. And just, you know, the fact that despite everything that Elliot has gone through, she still wants to be his friend and she still wants mm-hmm. to be there for him. And just to see just this genuine affection that they have for one another. And it, you know, it's just letting us see all these dimensions that Elliot has to him. Um, and I was thinking, you know, um, Southern Cynic and I have talked in the past about um, fan fiction, Mr. Robot fan fiction. Did, mm-hmm. did, do you read any of that stuff? I, I haven't really myself, but I, do I know not read the fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, I, I was know just it's gonna, out there, but I, was, I just decide not to read it. I, I don't either because it's like it can never be as good as the show. But I know a lot of people ship. Um, Tyrell and Elliot in the fan fiction, like that's a big, huge thing. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't know if people shipped um, Angela and Elliot as a couple. Like I don't really see that, like on the live tweets or anything like that. I didn't know if that was a thing in the fan fiction world. So, um, people who are yeah. listening, if you know, could you tweet me and let me know? I might read um, it. <laughs> I mean, 
I don't see why there's not uh, a percentage of a fan base that does. I mean, I'm pretty. I mean, but yeah, for the most part, the Tyrell and Elliot ship is a little bit louder. Um, oh, very loud, I mean, like a yeah, horn loud. I, and they know that. I mean, guys, you know, yeah, we're talking to you, Tyrellia fans. You know, you are. Um, and they're also <laughs> unapologetic about it. So you know, you gotta love them uh, for their dedication to. Um, to the fandom with that. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I would not be surprised if there were some Angela Elliott ships, but, I mean, again, I don't really read the fan fiction, so. I don't either. Yeah. I think I stumbled yeah. into it once and I quickly ran away. I do have to <laughs> confess one thing I do remember tweeting last summer when we were watching the episodes. Um, I think it was one of the scenes with Joanna, one of the um, BDSM scenes, and I said I wanted to see a scene like that with Elliot and Joanna. Like, that would make me so happy to just, I don't know, to just see that. I don't know in what well, world that would ever happen, but... In the fan fiction world, you can yeah, write. You got your own fan fiction, right? There. Oh, I, well, unfortunately, I'm a good writer, and I won't be writing it. Maybe I will have to do a special request for that. <laughs> but um, speaking of Joanna, okay, this was the first episode when I said to myself, "Joanna is scary as blank." Um, this is the first episode you said that? Yeah, yeah. She hasn't, like, she's not scared me before or unsettled me. Maybe unsettled. She hasn't unsettled me before this episode. Um, even can with I have the... What, can I have whatever um, whatever steel you've got, steel, you know, <laughs> blank blade that you've got because... When I mean thinking back to season towards the end of season one, that meeting between uh, Joanna and Elliot outside of their outside of um her house, oh my oh I swear I I was like man I I felt like she could see me right through the TV screen. I'm like <laughs> I'm like okay, I was like Elliot, be afraid, be very afraid because I am um, Joanna at that minute. I mean, her eyes, going back to her eyes in that scene, and also this is something that um, that she's talked about, um, that Stephanie um, has talked about um, uh, when it comes to portraying Joanna. There's, um, she was mentioning how, uh, in that scene in particular, and I'm pretty sure it's in other scenes too, where she really doesn't blink a lot. Um, oh. So that was one thing that, hit, that a lot of people, you know, that, that she was saying that does offset you know, that kind of sets some people off a little bit and kind of makes them uncomfortable. And she was also saying how um, she's so used to doing it as Joanna that sometimes it does creep into her life, um, her, her life offset um, to the point where she's like, wait, guys, I'm sorry, I'm not like that at all. Um, no, I mean, she's such a sweetheart. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, Joanna, man, this scene, I mean, this episode, yes, um, just continues to uh, amp up that Joanna is scary and you don't want to mess with her. No, because, you know, we see her with Kareem, and Kareem is shook. He is shook hard. And once again, the school is saying, I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm scared. People are following me. And... um. Joanna does the thank you thing just like Angela did with Ollie. So Kareem has basically confessed that he's scared, he can't keep it up, and you kind of see this look on Joanna's face. She looks down, and then she looks at him, touches his hand, and says, thank you for telling me this. Thank you for sharing this with me. And when she said that, I was just like, he's sitting to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's done for. She oh, has, yeah. She's just signed your death sentence. Oh, yeah, there was no question about it. You could definitely tell from uh, the previous episode that his days were mm-hmm. numbered. Um, but in this scene in particular, yes, he definitely did sign off, you know. Boy, you finna die. Um, <laughs> such a situation for himself. So, um, 
Yeah, and just watching Joanna and knowing that that was the decision right then and there. Mm-hmm. And it was just, uh, and but also the way that they did it. Um, and we got to see that as well as um, as Joanna and Mr. Sutherland are talking about it. Um, you know, it was so interesting to me with that particular scene with her saying that, you know, because Mr. Sutherland asked her, why don't, you know, it would have been just easier to just shoot him. Why do we have to paralyze him and make it, make it look like this whole thing happened and then shoot him. And she tells him, you know, if we just kill him right away, we rob him of answers. Um, however, this way he's able to process what's going on. He's able to understand this is why you are about to die. Um, and she says, we let him die with answers with answers otherwise we're just ruthless murderers and it's just so interesting that she that she paints the picture that way because either way i mean it's still pretty savage um that you're just you know you're watching this happen and you just and you see the look you know you see him processing that he's about to die and he and this is why um i mean yeah, I mean this. I mean, yeah, this is a that 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 whole, that whole exchange. You know, it's bad enough that she's saying this. It's bad enough that you're realizing this isn't her first rodeo with murder. The mm-hmm. fact that she's thought this deeply about it. So I'm thinking, you know, we know that Tyrell murdered Scott's wife. Um, but that was not part of their plan. But this is just telling me as a viewer, she's done this before. She's been involved with murder before to the point that she can be this um, intentional about it and think this deeply about it. But also the fact that she is holding her baby and she is cooing to her baby and looking at her baby as she's talking about how not to be a ruthless murderer. That is what bothered me to my core. Like, at that moment, I'm thinking, if you can hold this innocent baby and just be this, ugh, I don't want to say cold, it's just cold. That is scary. It's like you're capable of anything at this point. And maybe the only people who are safe with you, maybe your baby's safe with you, maybe Tyrell is safe with you, but I don't know. I just know I'm extremely scared of you at this point. So that that's what it took for me. So maybe I do have nerves of steel. But I have to say, with the blinking thing, mm-hmm. my hubs does that. Like, he will be talking to me and he won't blink like for the longest time and I will be like scream like will you just blink already like how are your eyes not dried out at this point blink Mm -hmm. I'm like it is creepy so but she's absolutely right the not blinking thing just like I can't even concentrate on what he's saying at that point because I feel like he's gonna murder me at any second I'm just (laughs) kidding hubs I know you would never do that (laughs) I know you would never do that. I know you would never do that. At least I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But, Joanna, we are just going to have to stay on this um, Joanna roller coaster because I was um, thinking about this episode earlier and I was feeling like with this season, you know, are are you a big roller coaster rider? Do you ever ride roller coasters like at amusement parks and things like that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're a thrill seeker. You have to be if you watch this show. So I kind of feel like with this season, we've been like slowly um, going up, you know, that first huge hill of the roller coaster and you hear the clickety, clackety, clickety, clackety, and you get to the top and you kind of stop and you slowly go over the crest. I feel like we're slowly going over the crest right now with this episode because I just felt like my heart was pumping the entire episode for some reason that 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 was just like the analogy i got yeah i mean 
I definitely agree with you there because, um, and I like how you put that, um, that it was, um, that this is basic, that this whole season is basically a roller coaster ride. And up until now, we've basically just been slowly, um, ascending. Um, yeah, I think that, and I also say that because, um, you know, of course, season two had mixed reviews. Um, but you know, I loved it. So I'll just leave Me it at too. that. Me too. Um, yeah, I mean, also, um, I mean, but yeah, all right, yeah, let me not go off on that tangent. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, crap, but I just forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, man. I know, man. Oh, it happens. I know. It happens to the best of us. Um, when you remember, say it. Yes, all right. <laughs> if I remember, yes, um, I would definitely... Get it out. Well, please, please, please. So let's talk about, this is what I wanted to talk about the most in this episode, is Dom meeting Minister Zhang. Um, So Dom is at Steel Mountain. That's the first time we see her. And um, the FBI has um, discovered the raspberry pie that um, Elliot put in the climate control system. And... um, we also discover that they are going to China to um, inspect the backup servers for Evil Core. Um, there were lots of things in these interactions we saw with Dom. So when she was back at the FBI office and she was talking to the other agent, do we know that the um, female agent's name? Did we ever find out what her name is? Um, or is she just like is she just like yeah. FBI agent number one? <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't think she's ever referred to um, by name. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to go through IMDb just to see if she actually does have a name or if she is, like you say, FBI agent one or two. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. Yeah, um, She's been in a few episodes. She and the other um, gentlemen who kind of, I think, are more supportive of Dom. They've been in at least two other episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Dom, um, throughout this whole episode, um, as we, you know, going back to when she first visited Steel Mountain, which has now tried to rebrand itself as a Steel Valley, um, you know, because of all the craziness that's been, you know, the crazy aftermath that they're dealing with because of the hack, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Dom, of course, lets him know that's a terrible name for it. Um, (laughs) and then also, um... It's been really interesting in this particular episode to watch how Dom communicates with everyone that she comes in contact with because, Mm -hmm. as we said before, Dom is one of those characters that immediately, um, you know, takes, like, the dominant position uh, or at least, you know, within the conversation, like, oh, you know, she's not going to let anyone really, you know, keep, you know, take her off her you know, destabilize her if that makes any sense in terms of it maintaining does. her composure and maintaining her composure and control of the conversation. Um, however, when they mm-hmm. do go to China, we see that uh, Minister Minister Zhang is actually the one person that um, m- you know that makes her stutter, that throws her off of that throws her off of her game a little bit. Um, you know that she actually, you know that she's not as dominant as she is in conversation as, as she is in a conversation with someone else. So I thought that that was really an interesting dynamic to have between her and Minister Zhang, um, especially considering their conversation that they have a little bit later in the episode. So I know my, one of my favorite scenes is when um, they're at the table and Santiago is talking to Minister Zhang about. Um, what they want to happen on the trip and all of these things, and he kind of hesitates and Dom just busts out. And we want you to tell us about the Dark Army or we want all of your intel on the Dark Army. And Mm -hmm. the whole room just freezes. And when Minister Zong just turns and looks, and like the look that he gives her, Mm. and he doesn't, (laughs) and not saying anything, I'm like, that's such a powerful move because it's just designed to unsettle the other person. And you're right, like, this is the first time that we see her seeming to be unsettled. And I was like, oh, this is going to be powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so in every interaction you see with them, you see this awkwardness. And I'm glad that you saw it, too. 
Um, but then I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about Dom and thinking, was she really feeling this way, or was she putting this on in the presence of this powerful person as a tool for them to think they're in control, but she still is in control? Because mm -hmm. I'm just thinking of um, when she's talking to FBI agent number one again, like the following day, and the um, woman is saying, where were you? I didn't, where did you go? And she said that she was having this conversation with him, and she's kind of nonchalant about it. And she's like, yeah, he showed me his sister's dresses, but it's interesting to know he doesn't have a sister. So mm -hmm. it made me kind of feel like, was she just playing him, or was she truly feeling awkward and, you know, kind of unbalanced in that conversation? I don't know. What do you think? I wonder if it's probably a combination of both um, to where, I mean, you are right that um, in the sense that she is awkward, but then again, at the same time, she does come back and is able to ask him particular questions and turn the tables on him a little bit. And because mm -hmm. actually by the end of that, by the end of that, the end of that scene where he's showing her the clothes, um, it's, I don't want to say awkward, but let's just say, like, in terms go back to the vulnerability, um, where he's where she's in a vulnerable position with him at first, at the start of the scene, and then towards the end of it, he is the one that is vulnerable because he is, you know, there was this talk of identity. He's showing her this piece mm -hmm. of artwork, um, you know, that deals with, uh, you know, trying to maintain one's identity, um, if I'm remembering right of how he described it, and then also. Because, I mean, especially with this, I mean, he's revealing a huge part of himself to her. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so. And um, it, I just wonder about that because um, I know in the Dark Army, you you don't get to meet White Rose. Um, right. She's very protected. But, it you know, also knowing what a mole Dom is, how good she is at digging for information. If she had any knowledge of White Rose and knowing her penchant for time um, at all, and then seeing Minister Zhang with his focus on time as well, it would mm -hmm. be easy to connect those dots. So I kind of felt almost nervous that he was revealing all of this identity to her that could easily be also attributed to White Rose. So that that was making yeah. me nervous as well. Um, yeah. And then um, I, I... Yeah, um, well, definitely uh, agree with you there. Because also, I mean, and knowing Dom being um, the way that she is, I would not be surprised if she did. I mean, especially because she's the only one in that room at the table that mentions the Dark Army. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty, I mean, I would not be surprised with her mentioning Dark Army that if she does know about White Rose um, a bit. So, I mean, it is interesting there to see. I mean, it is, yeah, it is possible that she might know and is probably able to put two and two together. Um, but then also um, that, that one um, moment in the conversation where he's mentioning you know, do you ever think about how um, how things would mm -hmm. be if the hack did not happen? And then mm -hmm. uh, mentioning that there are actually, you know, you know, there's a lot of people like to think that there's alternate universes out there, you know, playing out that particular scenario right now, um, and how that fascinates him. And and definitely, I can see why it does fascinate him because he is well, because White Rose is so fixated with time. And not only is it a constant, and not only is it a constant reminder of mort, mort, mortality, um, but also how he says it, um, how she says, um, it's a reminder to uh, keep moving. You know, to push himself, to push oneself to keep moving. So I think, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that that is something that White Rose contemplates: the idea of, okay, what if I was in some alternate universe? How would this play out? How would I manage mm -hmm. time? How would I manipulate it or, or hack it? Or, you know, what would I be doing with the time that I have in that alternate, in that alternate universe? So, I mean, this is a really 
incredible scene to watch between the two of them. It really is. It was beautiful. It was beautifully shot, um, especially the scene with all the clocks. Um, that mm -hmm. big, huge digital clock that was in that room, um, it, it, it was just breathtaking to watch that scene. And B.D. Wong, I mean, the first time, you, every time he appears on scene, I just kind of gasp because to me he is just perfection in this mm -hmm. role. Like he deserves all the Emmy nominations. He deserves the Emmy. He is it's just wonderful in this, this role. So we're going to have to tweet at him. We're going to have to tell him we, we talked about him like at nauseum this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, I I mean, and it, yeah, just watching this episode and coming and you know, just, you know, coming off of the Emmy nominations, I mean, I could not help but think back to uh, during season one when it was leading up to um, the fact that we were actually going to meet White Rose. Um, and I remember amongst the fans, we were having this whole guessing game of who do you think it is? And I remember people thinking, oh, it might be Joanna, it might be so-and-so, and I I even threw in some wild guesses, and, and then in the end, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, it's not going to be any of these people. It's going to be somebody else that we're not even thinking about, and then the episode um, premieres, and you see um, B.D. Wong's name pop up, and I'm like, that's White Rose, and mm -hmm. from, the second, from the second White Rose pops up, it is just perfection every time. It's just... Yeah, it, just watching that scene, you were just, that particular scene in season one, you were just, that can't be it. I need more. I need more. And thankfully, Sam was like, yes, I need more too, so we get more White Rose. Yes, and this upcoming season, B.D. Wong is a regular, so yes. we're going to get more White Rose. And that is like one of the things I was so excited to read about, like, mm -hmm. yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the, the last thing that happens in this episode is basically both of our, um, two of our characters are under attack, um, mm -hmm. literally. So we see, um, as Southern Senate calls Elliot, her pocket prince. So our pocket prince is drugged out of the bed in the middle of the night, and he is, the last thing we see is him being physically attacked by raise goons, and then we see this um, attack in China with Dom, um, with basically everyone being shot except for her. Um, mm -hmm. So do we think this is a message? Do we think this is a message for Dom, or do we think she just got lucky? Um, I would Usually for me, when I, see, when I see scenes like this play out, I'm definitely quick to think that, Oh, this is definitely a message. You're getting way too close, um, mm -hmm. so you gotta, so you gotta go. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like um, you know, because you watching the scene again, you do see the shooter, and you know, the second uh, bullet starts start flying. Um, the person that's uh, FBI agent number one is, you know, you see her get yeah. shot. So Dom is just. Um, I get, you know, the quick thinking, able to um, find shelter quickly. Um, unfortunately, everyone else does not. Um, Why didn't she have a gun? Uh, Why didn't she have question. her own gun? Like, that? I, yeah. Yeah. That is a good question, yeah, because, uh, again, in watching the scene, uh, one of the uh, victims ends up falling um, to his death, and she uh, manages to get his gun and is able to mm -hmm. defend herself. Um, so, yeah, I just can't help but think that um, that this is a message. Um, not, um, maybe not directly for her, but for the FBI in general that, um, yeah. you know. But, yeah, I mean, definitely with that, it's like, okay, somebody is getting too close. They need to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that would have happened if Dom hadn't mentioned the Dark Army in the first place. Like, mm -hmm. if she had never made that request from um, Minister Zong, if the attack would have happened. But, you know, we'll never know because she did say it and it did happen. 
So, um, you know, that episode definitely had us, our hearts racing. It was definitely an exciting end to the episode. So we will be rolling into episode six for next week. So the season is just flying by. So next week we'll be halfway through season two. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we just started. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you um since, you know, Mr. Robot is such a big part of my summer viewing pleasure, I've had to try to fill that gap, that Mr. Robot size gap in my viewing. And so I wonder, what have you been watching this summer since you're not watching Mr. Robot? Yeah, what have I been watching? Um, um, I don't think I've been watching anything new that's on the air since um, most things are, most shows are, you know, what have I been, oh, my mom has actually gotten me into Perry Mason, if you can believe it. Um, I can't yeah. believe it. But I grew up on Perry Mason. It's a good show. I mean, um, defi- I mean, I definitely love how, I mean, that's just me and my mom's thing. Whenever we sit down and watch, um, watch these uh, shows together, we're both sitting there watching it, analyzing everything, trying to figure out who did it and why. Um, yeah, so we're also trying to see, we also like try to see like all right, can we figure it out before Perry Mason does, or can we actually get it right? Um, there has been maybe one episode in particular that stumped us a bit, um, although we were halfway right on that one. So, um, to listeners, if you've never watched Perry Mason, I recommend watching it. It's a good show. Um, so I have to ask you: Are you watching the original Perry Mason series, or are you watching like the updated like Perry Mason movies? Uh, I'm watching. I would believe I'm watching the original series. Um, yeah, they're like uh, in black and white and all that. In black stuff. and white, yeah, right, yeah, black and white. Oh, like so cool. yep. um, yeah. So if any, yeah. Um, so there's that, and then also, um, I've been making it a point to watch Twin Peaks um, because one of my coworkers has just been saying, "You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it." So, um, so once yeah, again, so the original one or the uh, the, the one on Showtime. The whole thing. He's just like, you got to oh. watch the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So I've never I'm, watched it. I've never watched yeah. it. I make, yeah, I'm making a point to watch the whole thing. Um, and because he's been talking, of, talking to me about it as spoiler-free as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But it is really interesting how he was explaining to me how they bridged the gap between um, the, um, when, it, when the series ended, I guess, you could say, and then when they started again, because he was like, don't really think of it as a reboot, because it's basically like a continuation, um, mm-hmm. and he was like, it's like when you watch the end of the, the end of it, of season two, they actually make a line, they actually, there actually is a line there that makes sense for why they would all of a sudden pick it up again, and he's like, and they, yeah, so he was just, yeah, and he just is raving about it, and he's just like, yeah, I got to watch it so I can have somebody else at work to talk to about it. And I'm like, all right, fine. Um, I mean, it's the least I can do, because since I did, um, I, do, I do talk his ear off about Mr. Robot, um, but so far the only thing I've been able to make him watch of Mr. Robot was the uh, TGIF-ish um, oh. opening credit, <laughs> which he, you know, which he said was brilliant. He's like, if anyone was going to do it, he's like, he was like, they just nailed it. Um, and this is him not even watching the show, and he's just like, yep, nailed it. Um, so, yeah, those are the two things that I am watching. Um, another one of my coworkers is trying to make me watch Game of Thrones. Um, uh. I mean, I did watch, when it first premiered, I did watch it. Um, but you know how it happens. There's one episode, one week that you miss. You fail mm-hmm. to catch up on that week, and it happens again the next week and the week after and the week after, and then you just stop watching. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's trying to get me to watch that, and I'm like, basically in order for me to watch, like, the list of everything that I say I need to watch, I'm going to need to lock myself in a room, but pretty much everyone knows that as soon as October rolls around, forgive, fuck that, it's Mr. Robot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Completely understandable. Yeah. Um, so what are you watching? <laughs> uh, well, on Sundays I watch my PBS, so that's always a given. So that I guess that technically isn't a space filler since I watch that year-round. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched Claws. I've been watching Claws. It's new. It's on TNT. Mm-hmm. Um, it stars Niecy Nash. 
Um, it's kind of a dark dramedy. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit dark. Um, there's definitely some funny moments, but I guess it, it would be a drama. Um, so I've been enjoying that. It's interesting to see. Um, do you know who Nisi Nash is? She yes. was in um, um, Reno 911 and mm-hmm. some other things. Um, so it's interesting to see her as the lead um, in the lead role. Um, as a black woman in the lead role, and she is really carrying this series beautifully. Um, her body is, like, amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Claws is good. It's on TNT. It comes on on, on Sunday nights, but I watch it um, on demand, like on my iPad. I've been watching, and I blame Brothers Comics for this. I've been watching The Bachelorette this summer. Uh-huh. I know. How did, they, how did they get you into watching that? This fool goes, <laughs> we, should, we should do a podcast about the first black bachelorette. And I'm like, okay, I'm game. We watch one episode, and he's like, I'm out. <laughs> and here I am, like, seven episodes later, still watching it. Because hmm. I finished, I finished what I started, Kira. So I've been watching wow. The Bachelorette. Um, I've been watching still Starcross. It comes on. It was coming on on Monday nights, but now they've switched it to Saturday nights. So I've been watching oh. that. Um, I thought that was actually pretty good. It is pretty good. I'm worried that it's going to get canceled because mm-hmm. they switched the nights. Because usually when they switch the nights that something airs, they're worried about numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been enjoying it. I I know it gets a lot of um, live tweeters, but I don't know what the numbers have been like for it all summer. Um, I'm trying to think. Speaking of mysteries, I'm always watching Monk. Monk is my ah, go-to. Monk. That's my happy place. Yeah, Monk um, is a good show. Yeah, so we watch, we have like almost every monk on our DVR right now. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I'm like actively trying to watch. I'm watching my British shows. I love British TV, so I do that too. But I think that's it. But, you know, summer's just not the same without Mr. Robot. So yeah, I just can't it's, wait. It's definitely the same, but... um. But yeah, but it's just yeah. Build, um, well, we did get something yesterday, uh, Mr. Robot fans. We got um, through Entertainment Weekly. We got a first look at season three. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure um, if you haven't, in case you missed it, there's a photo. Um, we got a we got a photo of um, Mr. Robot season three of Elliot in a room full of Packers, and it just looks like he's overseeing everything. And we also got some t- some extra tidbits about Mr. Robot season three, what to expect. Um, basically, that obviously Elliot is alive. Um, you know, if you didn't know that going in, uh, coming out of season two, I'm not even going to say anything. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, he's uh, he's going he's basically going to be. Um, um, I think on his guard a little bit. Um, he's definitely going to be. Um, um, you know, dealing with the consequences and the people who put him where he was at the end of season two. Um, mm-hmm. So that is really going to be interesting, considering who all was involved in that that we know of. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's some interesting stuff. And um, the Tyrell fans are, I'm pretty sure, over the moon about the fact that Tyrell will be more, uh, you'll see more Tyrell this season, and we'll definitely get more questions about his season two whereabouts. Um, yes, that's going to be yes, interesting. I mean, but yes, but in, now, in general, to get the full story, I'm like, yes, because I, I haven't, you know, yes, I need to know answers. But of course, as we know with Mr. Robot, when we get answers, we also end up having more questions. Exactly. You know yeah. what's, what's kind of scary is, um, you know, in that they were teasing that um, we've never seen, really seen someone, well, we know Evil Court hurt Elliot through his family. So Mm -hmm. to see what Elliot is going to do to the people who, like, directly attacked him, 
that's scary to think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a lot within him. Um, just the skills he has, the way he processes things, his um, sense of justice and sense of right and wrong and everything, is, that's definitely going to be something interesting to watch in Season 3. So um, sure. let us wrap this up. It's been about an hour. Um, All right. For our shout-out this week, I am going to shout-out Universal Fan Con. Um, Universal Fan Con is happening next spring, April 27th through 29th in Baltimore. And this is a new con that is focused on inclusion and diversity and looking at multiple fandoms. So this is partially started through Black Girl Nerds, and some other folks who attend a lot of a lot of cons and see that um, people of color are overlooked, not strong voices for women, LGBTQ community. So they decided to create a con that is purposely inclusive, um, that is looking to attract gamers, your comic book nerds, your superhero nerds, just everybody together um, celebrating nerdom, you know, as one, basically. So um, it is next spring. I'm going to have to be honest. I already have my tickets. I already have my hotel booked. I am going to be there. Um, is ready. I already, I'm ready. I already know what I'm cosplaying. I'm going with my boys, and we are going to have a good old time. So if you don't know about Universal FanCon and you want to follow them, you can follow them on Twitter. Had you heard about it before at all? Yes, I have. Um, But, yeah, uh, I'm I'm not in the same situation as you where I'm lucky enough to actually go. Um, I guess guess it had to be one con for me, um, you know, coming up. Um, But I'm definitely going to be going to New York um, Comic Con, so that one I am excited about. Um, mm-hmm. I have not decided if I'm going to cosplay as anything. Um, yeah, I haven't decided that yet. Um, so I don't know. I might just do. A, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But I'm just like, I'm just like, let me just finish planning everything, and then we'll see about cosplaying. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's that will actually be, be my first con. Yeah, uh, that'll be my first so- con. Um, but so are you, are you going that. with anybody? Are you going with anybody to Comic-Con? No, I'm going with just myself pretty much. I mean, if I obviously meet people along the way, then, yeah, that'll mm-hmm. be fun. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty much the same situation when I went over to Nerd HQ um, the same year that uh, that Mr. Robot had a panel at Nerd HQ. Um, just, I just hopped in, the, hopped in my car and drove from L.A. to San Diego that, uh, that day. Um, and just yeah, I just hung around, um, met met a few people, um, saw whatever offsite, um, uh, whatever offsite things were going on for Comic Con, since obviously I could not get into the center. Um, but yeah, but it was, I mean, it was fun nonetheless. So I'm excited to just actually this time be able to go inside and see, you know, for once it's not just going to be pictures on social media. I will be looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited. <laughs> Well, I am excited for you, and I'm sure you're going to share your experience with us. Um, you'll have to come back and, and talk to us all about it. So, fun, fun. So, we both have cons to look forward to. Yeah. I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer than you, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but you'll definitely have to share your experience as well. Yes, definitely. So... Here we are again. You guys have chosen to spend another hour with us, and we greatly appreciate it. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Cetaline, C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N. And where can they find you, Akira? They can find me at HelloFriend, H-3-L-L-0-F-R-I-3-N-D-1. Very good. And you can find this. Um, podcast you can follow us on twitter at unmasked podcast and please remember that we are part of the brothers comics family of podcasts and you can find us on apple podcast stitcher and soundcloud good night everybody good night
trippin', I drive anything, buy my rings, make them go insane. Chase a bitch, be fine. Mask on, 